Well, I'm excited about being here today. I'm excited for what God has to share with us this morning. Uh, and I'm going to take a, a little bit of a roundabout way to get there. I'm going to begin by reminding us of a song that was certainly um, uh, an anthem several decades ago. Uh, and it's one that, that I knew when I was ki- a kid, and it was even before my time back then. Uh, but it was a, a song that went something like this. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, I need somebody. Help. Now, who sang that song? The Beatles. <laughs> Did I hear somebody say something about old people? I, I'm there. I, uh, but that, that was a song, and, uh, you know, it, it has a catchy tune. It has a, it has a great uh, hook in it, Some, whatever that means. I don't even know what that means. That's what they write, write on it. It's got a great hook. You know, it's a great song. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, I need somebody help. I think that one of the reasons that song hit so well on the charts is because it hits at home in our hearts. It, it communicates a yearning and a desire that every person has. It especially communicates a desire, a need that every human heart has who is separated from God by sin. There is this season of crying for help that is most urgent and most profound, and that's when you are living swallowed up by the deep despair of darkness separated from life and light because you're separated from God by sin. Every human heart needs help. And Jesus is just the somebody to give that help. Now, Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at how you and I can be light in a dark world. And in Mark chapter 10, we see this encounter between Jesus and a guy who's crying for help. This this man that we meet is a picture of who we were. When we were separated from God, and it is a picture of every person around you that is far from God needing life through Christ. Now, I want you to hear God's Word beginning. Let me begin in the teaching of Jesus in verse 42. Jesus called His disciples to Himself. And he said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. So he's saying, there are people, and 
in the Gentile world, the folks that are uh, perceived to be very successful and very powerful are the ones that exercise great authority. Those are the folks that you need to look to in the Gentile world according to the culture of the day. And it's not much different today in our culture. And so many people say, you're a success if you've got power. You're a success if you've got money. You're a success if you've got specific positions. So Jesus has given kind of a, 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 an evaluation of the culture of that day, and it helps us understand our culture today. Now look at verse 43. Jesus goes on and he says, yet it shall not be so among you. And he's talking to us. He's talking to followers of Jesus. He said, said, even though everybody looks at the people who are the most powerful as the most successful, the ones that, that, that you need to uh, focus in on, Jesus says, oh, no, 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 not for followers of Jesus. He said, it, not, it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now hold on to that. That's a teaching and it leads into the story that we're going to look at this morning. Verse 46. Now Jesus and his followers came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and with a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Uh, this is the main thoroughfare between Jerusalem and Jericho, and people would go up and down that thoroughfare, and, and if you had no way to support yourself and you had to beg for your living, that's the place. It's the corner of, of Kempsville and Newtown, right? Uh, it's, it, it's, it's that main thoroughfare where, where, where you can hold up your sign and say, blind man, need help. All right, so, so that's what Bartimaeus was doing. Verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him. They said, shh, be quiet. But he cried out all the more urgently, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still, commanded the blind man to be called, and, and his disciples called the blind man over, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise up. Jesus is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Now look at verse 51 and 52. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus answered and said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately Bartimaeus recovered his sight and he followed Jesus on the way. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at how we can be light in a dark world. And, and you understand that, that we are living in dark world. Now, not because culture is bad and not because the times are tough and not because religious freedoms may be threatened or anything. No, we live in a dark world because of sin and people are separated from God. And that's been a universal problem from the very beginning of time since the Garden of Eden. 
We live in dark times because people who are far from God need light and life through faith in Jesus Christ. That's why we live in a dark time. And we've always had these dark ages since the fall in Genesis chapter 3. And Jesus has come to reverse the, 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 the calamity of sin and, and bring life and light into our dark world. And so as, as, as we've been looking at what Jesus has done for us, we also understand in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, that he's called us to be light, okay? So Matthew 5, 14, Jesus is talking to us, his people, his followers, and he says, you are the light of the world. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is your vocation. This is your calling. This is your identity. You are his light in a dark world. That's who you are. That's who I am. If indeed we are followers of Jesus Christ. If indeed we have been transformed by his grace. If indeed we have been rescued from our darkness through faith in Jesus Christ. Then we are light, his light, in a dark world. And so we've been evaluating over the last several weeks, how can we shine this light, God's good news, to people dwelling in darkness? We know that there are people who are in darkness just like we once were in darkness. Do you remember? Wait, do you remember when you were in darkness? I think maybe this is part of our problem in the church today, and this isn't unique to our time, it's unique to all times. But part of the problem with the church today is we get comfortable sitting in our seats listening to sermons and we forget how lost we once were. We, we live this, this wonderful, privileged life as followers of Jesus, rescued by God's grace, transformed by the power of God's great love when we place our faith in Jesus, and he rescued us out of the darkness. But after a season, we become more professional in our religiosities than we are followers of Jesus, and we forget what it was like to be in the dark. We, we forget what it was like for us as we were stumbling and fumbling in our own darkness, created by our own sin, separating us from a holy God. We were lost. We were empty. We were headed for destruction, both in this life and in eternity. We, we were in need. We were crying, help, I need somebody. And then God in his grace sent the light of the gospel our way, and rescued us. The darkness is dispelled. The despair has been shattered. Now I am found, even though I once was lost, I am saved, rescued, born again, made brand new, new creation in Christ. Everything's changed. All the old has passed away. I'm brand new. And it happens not because of my heritage. And it happens not because of my location in a particular geographic section of the world. It happens not because there's anything good or worthy in me that would, uh, that, that would chisel at my heart and awaken a faith in me to place trust in Jesus and bow before the cross of Christ and see his death on the cross as payment for my sin. That's not because of who I am that I've been rescued. It's all because of who Jesus is. That's, 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 that's what God's love does. It, it searches out sinners like you and me to rescue us. And, and, and so here we are gathered here, followers of Jesus, because we've been rescued in this way. And yet sometimes we forget 
We try to, try to play this good game of professional religious stuff. We forget what it was like to be lost in the darkness. But as the Spirit of God sparks in our hearts and our minds a memory of what it was like to be lost, we, we, we have awakened in us again by the love of God to, 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 to be light in a dark world, to, to shine this wondrous light of rescuing love to those who are fumbling and stumbling in the dark, those who are separated from God by their sin. We see it and we, we, we feel an urgency because we remember what it once was like. I... I, I I was, uh, um, I was uh, somewhere this past week, and, and uh, as I was uh, entering uh, this coffee shop, I saw um, a, a, a mother who was trying to grab her toddler children, and they were playing around, and they were uh, being what toddler children are, especially if they're anything at all like me, kind of a little bit rambunctious, always active, doing something, uh, uh, being loud. They don't know the difference between being loud and not loud. That, that, those two concepts aren't, aren't familiar to them. So they're having a great time, and, and, and yet the mother was uh, by herself, and, and she was struggling. She was, she was struggling to try to, try, to, uh, try to manage these children, and she's waiting on her husband. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm just watching. And... I didn't want to be real creepy. <laughs> I probably failed at it, but I didn't want to be real creepy. But, but I, I just kind of walked over and I said, I said can, can I help? And she's like, well, freak? You know, that, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, just a weird, strange guy, you know. But I said, you know, and I, I always open with this. Like, I, I have four daughters. And I remember when they were that age. Do you need any help? She said, well, I just don't know what to do. I mean, I, one, there, there was one, one of the toddlers was a boy, the other was a girl. And uh, having been a boy, I knew what to do. And having a wife that has raised four daughters, I've watched her do what needs to be done. But I, I said, let, let me just kind of distract the boy for a little bit. And so I would... Uh, you know, pick him up and throw him around and, you know, do boy stuff. But I had sympathy for her because I remembered what it was like. I think one of the ways that we are light in a dark world is when we remember what it was like to be in the darkness. And one of the reasons that we aren't light in a dark world is because in our pride and our arrogance... In our selfishness and self-centeredness that we all have, and I'm pointing to myself first on this one, in the busyness of our schedules, we, we forget what it's like to be fumbling and stumbling in the dark. So as we, as we look at this passage, what I, I, and, and as we've looked over the last several weeks, how to be light in a dark world, we, we've looked at L, we need to listen well to others. Saw that in James chapter 1. We, we looked at I, we need to pray for others. We need to intercede for others. That's 1 Timothy 2. And, and we looked and we saw last week in Luke chapter 19, we, we shine the light of the gospel faithfully when we gather with others, get down like, like Jesus did with Zacchaeus last week and said, I need to spend the day with you and, 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 uh, and, and we need to do that. Maybe 
maybe you all got together with somebody, had coffee with somebody who is far from God this week because you're, you're trying to be light in their dark world. Today, we're looking at H. We shine the light of the gospel faithfully when we help others. Now, I, I want you to get the picture of this passage, and I've brought in verses 42 through 45 because it really does set the theology for verses 46 through 52, 51. It's, 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 uh, it's this beautiful picture that Jesus paints. He says, okay, I want you to understand who I am. I have come to help people who can't help themselves. And Jesus said, the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to provide the greatest help that all humanity needs, and that is forgiveness for sin through his death on the cross as payment price in the place of sinners. Jesus died so that we might be forgiven our sin through faith in him, so that we might escape the deep darkness that swallows up our soul and enter into the light of life that he offers. This is what Jesus has come to do, and he's come to do it through his own sacrifice. Not to be served, but to serve. Give his life a ransom for many. Now, that's verse 45. Verse 44, he says, now, you're my followers. Here's how you're supposed to live your life. Get this. This is how we're supposed to live our life. We're supposed to be slaves of all. You see that? You see it? We don't like to talk about that because, you know, we, you know, we, well, we don't like to be servants of other people. We don't like, we don't like to be in servitude to someone else. But, but the picture that Jesus paints is that nobody in this room has the entitlement to be served. But everyone in this room has the responsibility to serve. Now, that's the theology. Jesus is the model. He said, for even... I'm not, he said, I'm not just telling you you've got to live this way. I'm telling you this is how I'm living. Even the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So how did he serve? Not only did he do it by dying on a cross in our place for our sin, but now, verse 46, he goes into Jericho and he meets this guy named Bartimaeus who is stumbling and fumbling in his own darkness. He is in physical darkness and he is in spiritual darkness. But he recognizes that Jesus of Nazareth can help. And so he cries out, help, I need somebody. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people, the professional religionists try to say, oh, shh, shh. But a man living in darkness who has an opportunity to escape into the light won't be hushed. He cries out even more urgently, Son of David, have mercy on me. Help. I need somebody. And Jesus, I can, it doesn't say that he was smiling, but I think he was. And smiling at the urgency, smiling at the faith 
awakened in this blind man, this faith to not only say, Jesus of Nazareth, come help me, it was faith in Jesus, calling him the son of David. That is a messianic term. It meant that this blind man believed that Jesus was God's Messiah, the anointed one who would rescue sinners like him. He, he looked to Jesus as the rescuer, and, and so he was crying out, Jesus, come rescue me. And Jesus said, what do you want? What can I do for you? And Bartimaeus says, oh, just give me my sight. And again, I see Jesus just just smiling at the faith. He says, all right, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately, Bartimaeus could see, and he began to follow Jesus on the way. Now, as we look at this passage, I... I want us to get a few thoughts. Now, again, the idea here is that Jesus is the one who helps. That's no doubt about that. I I don't have the power and you don't have the power to give sight to blind people. But that's not our role anyway. See, our role is to point those who are far from God to the one who can give them life. We are to be light, his light, in a dark world. And so, how do we do that? Well, we follow after Jesus. We do what Jesus did, and Jesus helped people. Not just Bartimaeus here, not just, not just humanity by dying on a cross for sinners. He, he helped people, and he saw broken limbs, he made them straight. When he saw people who couldn't, couldn't uh, uh, think straight because of demonic possession, he released them. When he, when he saw uh, Lazarus, his friend, dead in a grave, he raised him up and said, loose him and let him go. Jesus was in the business of helping people. And Jesus helped people when he saw them in need. He stretched out his power and he healed and made whole. Ultimately and finally, the model he sets for us is simple. And it, this, is, this is important for us, okay? And, and this is what leads to a revolution in our church and in our lives. It's that we are here not to be served, but to serve. Now, that's hard. I know it is because we live in such a self-centered, self-focused culture. And I get this way too. Well, why didn't you serve me? I mean, uh, you go to a restaurant and, and somebody's uh, taking your order. And if they're three minutes later, the, 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 they don't come out, with the, they come out with sweet tea instead of unsweet tea. Or, or the coffee is a little bit old. You know, we get all gripey and complainy. Because we're raised in this idea that, you know, you're supposed to serve me. I'm paying you money. You're supposed to serve me. And, and I get that. But here's the problem. Jesus said, not so among you. It's not the position you hold. It's not the place you inhabit. It's not the power you perceive that you might have. It's not the extent or uh, uh, the, 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 the length or the breadth or the width of what you perceive your influence to be. You are not entitled. I am not entitled except to serve others. Jesus set the model, and we're his followers. So if our, if our focus is transformed from how are you going to help me to how am I going to help you, everything changes. 
Do you see the difference? You come here, and, and, and all of us are, are, are enraptured with the, uh, with the desire to be entertained. We want our entertainment corn, uh, cord strummed. We, 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 want, we, want, we, we want to get what we want. That's, that's part of our human nature, but it's not the nature of Jesus Christ alive in us. See, the nature of Jesus Christ alive in us is not to be served, but to serve. And so when we come across someone like Bartimaeus, someone who's swirling and whirling in deep darkness because of their sin, our, our first impulse as followers of Christ carrying the character of Jesus is to help them the way Jesus has helped us. To help them in practical ways. I wonder what would happen if you and I would leave this place today with a passion and a commitment to help people who are far from God. Uh, what, would, what, would, what would change at your work if instead of seeing work as a drudgery or your job as just your job description, what would happen if you pinpointed someone at work who is far from God, and you made it your business this week to help them. Even going outside the realm of your job description, risking, risking certain things, being misunderstood, but, but you make it your business. I'm going to help that person. He, he's far from God. He needs help. I've been listening to him. And he's talked about how he's, he's under the gun and he's stressed out and he's filled with, with fear and anxiety. And I've been praying for him and the Spirit of God has been, awakened, uh, has been awakening in me as I've prayed for him that, that, uh, that, that he needs help with the stressors in his life. And, and, and as you got together with him over lunch at, 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 or, or coffee break and you've talked and he continues to talk about his, his, his struggles and his stressors, you begin to identify, you know, I can help him. Here's what I can do to help him. Not how he can help me, but how can I help him? Oh, my goodness. I don't know what that would do, but my goodness, it has great potential to do great things in that person's life. You know, helping others is, is core curriculum for followers of Jesus, especially those who are far from God. What would happen in your neighborhood if you just decided to mow your neighbor's lawn? Now, they might come out with a shotgun. I do have a neighbor that uh, if I mowed their yard, they would think that's an insult because I don't mow it nearly as meticulously as they do. Um, but what would happen if you... Just wrote a card and source of encouragement to that person. Or what, what would happen if you baked some cookies and took them to your neighbor and just said, you know, this is just to bless you. What, what would happen if you could really hear their cry, help, I need somebody. And it's not just anybody they need. They need Jesus. 
and you are his light in their dark world. And the way we shine that light faithfully is by helping them. Bartimaeus' faith was amazing, but it took wings when Jesus said, go your way, your faith has made you whole. It changed his life. It wasn't merely a faith to give him sight in his blindness, but, but it was more than that. It was, it was a faith that awakened in him a yearning and a desire to follow Jesus. Same kind of faith that you and I have experienced in our lives when Jesus took hold of us in our darkness and gave us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to believe that I don't have to stay the way I am. Jesus can make me whole. See, when we help others, we give hope that the darkness does not have to be their destiny. When we help others, we display the beauty of God's love. When we help others, we shine the light of the gospel in their dark world. So here's part of the challenge for us. See, part of the challenge for us is that we will talk a good game, but that's about as far as it gets. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We sit in here, we take our notes, we have our feelings, you know, yes, I'll help somebody. But then we get distracted and, and diverted by the busyness of our schedules or the, the, the activities that we've got going on in our world, and, and we forget And so we have good words, but we don't have a lot of good actions. Now, I do want you to maybe bookmark or write in the margin James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17 or 18. In James chapter 2, James really is kind of confronting us with words that have no actions. Faith without works. And he, and he says, he says, okay, you say you have faith, but, but you don't have works. Let, let me, and he says, let me show you what that looks like. You have someone come up to you and say that they're hungry, or somebody come up to you and say that they're cold uh, and, and need clothes, and, and you say, oh, uh, God be with you. Go on your way and be warmed. And somebody comes to you with a real need in their life, and your response is some spiritual platitude, but you don't help. He said, what, what good is that? I, I'm afraid that when we go into our workplace world or our school world, when we go into our communities in Hampton Roads, I, I'm fearful that, that I have, um, uh, it, it's like this, I'm, I, I, I go out and I buy a car. 
and it's the right kind of car. I'll go on cargurus.com and I find a great deal on just the kind of car that I want. And I'm, it's the right color and it's all shiny and no nicks in the paint, no dents in the bumpers. Uh, it's got good wheels on it and it's got a radio system that'll blare your ears out and it's just perfect for me. It's got all these electronic gadgets in it. And, and, and so I, I, I call the guy that's selling the car and I say, that's what I want. I'll buy it from you. Here's my money. And I give him my money and I go pick up the car. And, and, and so I go and, and I, I, I'm so excited. It's got the right name plate on it. You know, whatever name plate that is strikes your fancy and just a beautiful car beautiful car beautiful I need one I take the keys open the door sit in the seat put the key in the ignition I turn the switch and nothing nothing no sound no noise no power nothing I think oh my goodness I gotta I gotta the battery's dead so I I I get out get my jumper cables and I I pop the top on the uh, uh, on that car, and I open the hood, and to my deep surprise, the reason the car is such a good deal is because there's no engine. <laughs> that car is useless. Has the right name, has the right optics, it's beautiful, it's got the right radio, it's got all the right bells and whistles, but it's useless. Except for lawn decoration on cinder blocks. As followers of Jesus, when we say we follow Jesus, but we don't follow him in helping others, we're like that car with no engine. We look good. But we're not doing the good works that God has for us to do. As we close today, I just want you to think of Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. You remember Matthew 5, 14, Jesus says to us, you're the light of the world. Now in verse 16, here's what he says. He said, because you're the light of the world, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That, that picture, good works, That's a picture of us doing acts of mercy for other people. That's what that word means. He said, look, you want to shine the light of God's love in the darkness of this world? Then help others. Help? I need somebody. And it's not just anybody. I need Jesus. And God puts you in the path of those people who are far from him so that you might shine the light of his good news by helping others. So what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? And that's really what it comes down to. Today, I invite you to commit. Not, not just sing a song at the end of the service, not just have a good thought. I mean, I invite you before a holy God to covenant yourself with him. This week, I'm going to find someone who is far from God, and I'm going to help them. This week, I'm going to fulfill my calling as a follower of Jesus Christ, not looking to be served, but how I can serve. 
just as Jesus did. I know it's going to be challenging for most of us, if not all of us. I know it's fearful at times to get out of our comfort zone and look for those who are far from Him. But friends, when we remember the love of God that has rescued us in our darkness, it inspires and encourages us to be light of His love for those who are dwelling in darkness. It is the love of God that we have tasted that makes us brave in this dark world. Would you bow your heads, please? Lord, as we have gathered here in your presence, I I know that all around us, You're moving and you're speaking. And God, I pray for a revolution to take place in this family called First Norfolk. A revolution that starts with the spark of your character in our hearts. It starts with a yearning and a desire to be like Jesus whom we follow. To fulfill our calling as light in a dark world, but to do it the way Jesus did, by serving rather than being served. I pray that you would bring about a revolution among your people called First Norfolk. And this week that you would give us a reminder of your great love that washes over us day after day after day by your Spirit. Through your Word, speaking to us. Your love that has been made available to us through Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Remind us of that wondrous love. Nourish our souls with that wondrous love so that we may be brave to step out of our comfort zones and help others. So that we might shine, display, demonstrate, and show the beauty of your grace and the majesty of your mercy to those who are crying out, oh, help, I need somebody. Now, do a work among your people today in a way that only you can. And be glorified as we worship you in these moments. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.